Welcome to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolsma, and I am here with another fabulous interview for you. This one is with the author Susan Ann Mason. We're going to be talking about her new book, A Feeling of Home. I am so excited to chat with her and to share that interview with her. We squeezed it in between some severe thunderstorms that were happening here, but God was good and he kept my electricity and internet on. And so we got that in and I think you'll find her to be very interesting and some of her hobbies to be very interesting as well. Before we get to our interview with Susan, though, I want to just remind you to first of all, subscribe. If you have not already done so, make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite podcasting platform, whatever that one might be. We are around. That way you don't miss out when I release a new podcast. You can get it right hot off the presses and be among the first to get these interviews. Second of all, please follow us on social media. Christian Historical Fiction Talk is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that's also a great way to find out when new episodes release. And I ask polls. We talk about things. We share things, what we're reading, that kind of stuff. And you can even have some input into some of the episodes over there. So please follow us on your favorite social media platform. And finally, if you would like to support Christian Historical Fiction Talk, please consider becoming a patron. If you go to my website, liztolsma.com, go to any of the episodes, especially the more recent ones, scroll down and you'll see a link to my Patreon there. And please consider subscribing and helping to support this endeavor that I have. It's a labor of love, but any support that you can give would be greatly appreciated. Okay, that's it. We flew through that, and it is now time. I am so pleased to bring to you a wonderful author. This is the first book I have read by her and the first time that I have talked to her, but I know you're thoroughly going to enjoy her. So let's welcome Susan Ann Mason to the show. Welcome to the show, Susan. It is so good to have you with us this week. Oh, thank you for having me. I saw your new book, A Feeling of Home, coming out, and it was so interesting looking, and I have to admit, I'm not quite finished reading it, but I'm loving what I've read so far, and so I knew I had to have you come on, so I'm so glad we were able to make this work out. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm so glad that you're actually reading it. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) I always try to read the books that I have the authors on. I'm not always successful just because of time constraints, but especially the interesting, really interesting looking ones that are right at my alley in this one was. So, yes. So why don't we go ahead and get started and just have you introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Susan N. Mason. I'm a writer of Christian historical romance. I write for Bethany House, and I live in Canada, just near Toronto, Ontario, which is very hot right now, but in the winter, it's very cold. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's never just right, or very rarely just right. Very rare. One street, extreme, or the other. <laughs> yeah, probably much like your weather. <laughs> right. Yeah. I Why we choose to live in these places, I don't know, but we do. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And how long have you been writing? Good question. It's been an on again, off again. I was writing when I was a young kid, and then I stopped for like 20 years. (laughs) And then I just started 
Again, when my kids were getting a little older and I had more time to read again, got, I got interested in writing again. Never thought I would get published. It was just more for my own enjoyment. But then the more I got into writing and I, I joined the Toronto Romance Writers and I got more involved in, in the whole author's world. I, and I started going to conferences and I joined the Christian Fiction Writers and just went from there. And my first book, The Irish Meadows, was published in 2015, and that was all because of a, a writing contest that I won. And Dave Long from Bethany House was the editor and, and read the book and loved it so much that he, he wanted to give me a contract. So you just never know where these things are going to lead. No, you don't. So for those aspiring authors out there, those contests are really, really valuable. And like Susan just said, you never know where they can lead. So keep entering them. Keep honing your craft and learning from the comments that you get and you just never know that's right and what do you like to do when you aren't writing good question (laughs) (laughs) i do i've really gotten into ancestry research and i'm kind of addicted to the ancestry.com website and i can go on there for hours and just keep finding new New uh, ancestors and adding more information. And yeah, it's, it's become, especially with the pandemic, I kind of had stopped for a while. And then when the pandemic hit and there was just nothing to do, not a lot to do at all. So I thought, well, I think I'll get my subscription going again. And that, that keeps me quite busy. I've, it's fascinating. I even did my DNA and I've found hundreds and hundreds of cousins. And it's just, it's so fascinating to me. <laughs> oh, you and I both, I could get lost and I do get lost for hours and hours on that site just trying to like you said find connections and where did this person come from and Mm -hmm. am I related to that person and that kind of stuff and it is very very addicting yes it is for sure have you found out anything interesting Oh, yeah, I found out lots of interesting things. It started because my mother didn't really know much about her family, except, well, her her mother died when before I was born, but she thought she was like an orphan. And my mother, you know, in those days, you don't ask questions about your family, you know, you, it's to be seen, not heard. So she said one day, oh, I really wish I would have asked my mother more questions about her family. I don't really know anything about them. So I, that started me on a journey, and I, I discovered who her parents were and I just kept going from there and it turns out her father had been alive all that time but she thought she was an orphan and I tell you there was like so many interesting stories that I found (laughs) and actually led to a book one of my books called A Noble Heir was kind of loosely based on my great great grandparents back in England who one was a kitchen maid at a great mansion called Stainsby Hall and she married the groomsmen there so I just created this whole story around that (laughs) Oh, how much fun when they lead to stories like that. And it must have been really interesting to figure all that out. Yeah, Mm -hmm, for sure. So the new book that you have out is A Feeling of Home. So why don't you tell us a little bit about A Feeling of Home? Okay, well, it's the third book in the Redemption Light series. It can be read on its own, but there are at the very end, the epilogue wraps up all three books and all the characters from all three books. But it's basically Isabel Wardrop's story, and she is an heiress that basically finds herself without a fortune, without her parents, and kind of like a fish out of water. Suddenly, she's got to learn how to take care of herself. She has to find a job she's never worked in her life. 
And she has a little sister who's just finishing high school and she feels responsible for her. So it's quite the reversal of fortune story where she's gone from feeling kind of a life of superiority to suddenly she has to rely on her her servants to help her find a job and and to, to put her up in a small apartment until she can afford to find a place to live by herself. So it's quite interesting. And then the love interest is Dr. Mark Henshaw, and he's the doctor from the first book in the series. And he has kind of always had a crush on Isabel, but she doesn't have much use for him. And she blames him for her mother's death. And so it's kind of interesting bringing those two characters together and see how their their love story unfolds. Wow, very interesting. So what made you go ahead and write this entire series? Oh, yes, that's interesting. I've always wanted to write a series about a home for unwed mothers and just the idea of how they were so stigmatized. And actually, sometimes they still are in today's society. And I had just had this idea of of somebody, of a character starting a home for unwed mothers. And then I kind of read this story about a woman in Toronto who in the 1930s was arrested by her father for being pregnant and unmarried. And she was thrown into like a woman's reformatory. And so that became the backstory of my first character. And after she comes out of the reformatory, she's got, she's been disowned by her family and she's taken in by an elderly woman with money who helps her realize her dreams of, of opening this home for unwed mothers. And Dr. Mark is actually the doctor at, at this home for unwed mothers. But it was just such a fascinating story. I just, I had to, I had to write, write it. And because it was so... It was a little bit gritty in in some parts. Some people didn't enjoy that part. I tried to be very light when I described what happened to this poor woman in in this reformatory. But it was just, I couldn't believe things like that happened like not that long ago. Yeah, the 1930s were less than 100 years ago. And things things like that were happening. I know, it was just just unbelievable that a, a father could even do that to his daughter, that they even had the right to do that. You know, like she was under 21 so technically still, I guess, under his supervision and yeah, just have her thrown in this reformatory. Wow, that is something. So mm-hmm. you mentioned that this is part of the Redemption's Light series. It's the third right. book, even though they're all standalone. And I'm finding that I have not, I'll admit I haven't read the other two, but I'm not having any problem with reading the third one just on its good. own, although it does make me want to go back and read the other two for sure. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> that I mean, maybe I should bonus. save. Yeah, maybe I should save the epilogue though until I get the other two finished. Yeah, if it ties it I all think that out. would be good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to spoil it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Why do you call the series Redemption's Light? Because I think the theme of the three books is redemption. The first book. It's all all about Olivia and and her redemption, how she's sunk to the lowest of the low, rejected by everyone in society, but she somehow redeems herself and finds a purpose to helping others. And in each one, each book, the heroine has, and the hero, they have some kind of redemption or journey to go through. And in this one, Isabel, I think it's more than redemption. It's almost like resilience because she has to come back so many from so many blows and she has to rise up and and make a life for herself and her sister so i just love that whole whole theme of second chances and redeeming yourself 
Yeah, that is a beautiful theme, especially when it's brought out in the context of Christian fiction. Exactly. Uh, Right, right. So we see where we get redemption and we need to give others redemption as well. Right. And the nice thing I I tried to focus on with Isabel was that when all her fancy friends reject her or, you know, they suddenly don't want anything to do with her anymore and she's basically at rock bottom, all she has is her faith to rely on. That's She keeps just believing that God has something better for her in mind and she keeps persevering until she gets there. When I started reading the book, I think before I even started reading it, when I read the back blurb, one thing I think Uh attracted me to it was when I was little, I loved the story of the little princess. I think that was the name of the book, right? Where she Uh was the daughter of a very wealthy man. He sent her to boarding school and then they thought he died and she had lost all her money. So she becomes like, you know, the lowest of the low in this boarding school and everything. Did that thought ever cross your mind while you were writing this book? No, I don't know if I've heard of that one. It reminds me of Cinderella, though, a lot, you know, where Cinderella's father, you know, marries this wicked stepmother and then suddenly he dies and she's, you know, she's becomes like a slave to these people. (laughs) So it is, I guess there is definitely that kind of a, a theme to it for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was just... I believe it's called The Little Princess, and I don't know why I'm blanking on that title right now, right. because I just uh, loved that book, read it multiple times when I was a little oh. girl, but yeah, it was really, really good. I won't spoil the mm-hmm. ending, but it has a great ending to it. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> I'll have to look it up after. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> You've also written some contemporary, in addition to quite a number of historical. Right. Why do you do both? I started off writing contemporary, actually. Never really thought, I always thought, oh, I could never write historic. It's, there's too much research, too many things to, I don't know about the past. But yeah, so I wrote contemporary. But then, I don't know, I seem to find my voice in in the, my first book, Irish Meadows. That's the one that got me published with Bethany House and just went from there. And actually, I, the more I write historicals, the more I love the research. It's just so interesting and intriguing what you find out. But my, con- my contemporaries, I still do love contem- writing contemporary. It's a little easier, I find, because there's not quite as much research. And you can kind of, you know, we know about all the things and, and the conveniences that we have now. So it's easier to write that kind of the settings and, and what, what the characters are doing. Sometimes in historicals, like little tiny details, you have to research for hours to get it right, like what they might be eating or what they might have used as a certain tool back then. Or it's... And, and you can find yourself gone for hours of doing research. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. And it is one of my favorite things about writing historical, but it also, like you said, it can be like the black hole of time. You can just find I yourself know. like sucked in and <laughs> yeah. before you know it, oh, You're I didn't write anything today. But <laughs> yeah, five websites over and you think, now, where did I start? <laughs> Right. Why did I come on the internet in the first place? Exactly. What's, What's the purpose of this? <laughs> For sure. Well, that was that's what makes it fun. But yeah, sometimes it's nice to write a little light, easy, quick contemporary. I, I understand. Right. I get that. Yes. Well, the nice thing I like about writing about Toronto is that I, my husband and I have done many little day trips to Toronto and, and we've explored different areas of the city that we might not have before just because, for instance, in the book one of the series, 
my character Olivia was Italian and we have a place in Toronto called Little Italy. So I went down there. I thought this is where she would be living at the time. And they still have a lot of old buildings down there. And it was just so much fun to actually do physical research when you're there. And, you, and it brings your whole setting to life when you can actually and visualize where they would have been walking and doing. And it was just a, a lot of fun. Sure. So I imagine then you've gotten to know Toronto a lot better because of writing yes. these books. Are most of your books set in Toronto or around Toronto? Yeah, the last two series have been, all three books have been. And before that, Irish Meadows started off in Long Island, New York. And then there was a hint of Toronto in the last book of that series. And that's when my publishers decided that Toronto would be a like Canada in general, but Toronto more specifically would be a better setting for me. And it would keep me apart from a lot of the other historical writers that they have. And so far it's been, it worked out really well. And I suppose with the pandemic and all the travel restrictions and everything like that, that really ended up being a blessing because you could still go out and do your research as much as possible without having to travel across international borders. Oh, yeah, for sure. We could at least drive around like a lot of the libraries and things were closed, but at least we could travel and we could we walk the streets and and at least see what see things. But yeah, you're right. We couldn't couldn't go anywhere in the States at all. Going back to talking about the maternity homes and Mark is a doctor. He works in a hospital but he mm-hmm. also works in the maternity home, as you mentioned, like he does in the first book and in the slums. What was life like? He he gets in some trouble for his charity work. Is that what mm-hmm. life was like for doctors in those days? Well, I'm not 100% sure. I think I took a little bit of author's license there. <laughs> but I know I there was a, a the ward it was called in Toronto where there was a quite a, a lot of immigrants that lived in abject poverty. And I don't think they had the best medical care available to them. So I kind of used my character Mark to kind of shine a light on that. I don't know if there was any kind of like medical clinics around for them, but that's what I thought, you know, that's what he would like to do because he was almost a rebelling against the stuffy hospital rules. He really wanted, his heart was really in helping the unfortunate and the ones that couldn't really afford medical care or find medical care. So I, I just, yeah, I think I took a little bit of liberties there, but, <laughs> but hopefully they won't mind too much. Now, both the hero and the heroine have lost both of their parents and they are helping to raise younger siblings. Is right. there a way in which you identify with these characters and what they're going through? I guess not really. I was raised by a single mom and I do have a younger brother, but and I did have to look after him at times, but he was much more the rebel and I was the good, dutiful daughter that didn't break the rules. But uh, yeah, I guess in, in a small way, I can relate to that. You mentioned an award that you won and I was on your website and looking around and I saw that you have won numerous awards. So besides leading to a book contract, what mm-hmm. does winning an award for your books mean to you? Yeah, that, that's a struggle, isn't it? It's like your ego wants to win because you want to be acknowledged that you are good at your craft. But yet, in reality, it's it's not that important. The, the more important part is that readers enjoy your work. But it does somehow validate that you are 
a good writer if you can win something or at least be a finalist in some contests and you think okay maybe i'm not as as cuz i don't i think most writers go through this where they think i'm a terrible writer <laughs> why would anyone oh, yeah. want to read this <laughs> and if you get some small validation that oh you know it must be worth some worth, worthwhile in some small way if i'm at least a finalist in this contest or i've won something it's it is quite gratifying yeah i think even though we're Christians and, you know, we're not supposed to be prideful or egotistical or anything like that. You're right. We mm-hmm. all go through that imposter syndrome. And yep. I know I, I do as much as the next writer. And I was at a craft fair selling some books on Saturday and I had one woman come up to me and say, Liz, Liz, I read Daisies Are Forever and I loved it. Oh my goodness. It was so good. Or no, it wasn't. It was Snow Into the Tulips. And I loved it. It was so good. So good. So I brought my friend over here and she's, I told her she's got to read your books. And (laughs) (laughs) selfishly, I'm going, oh, that just feels so good. That's uh, one person in the world at least likes my books, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Because yeah, sometimes you're in a vacuum. You don't really know who's reading your books or if they anyone really likes them. Or when you hear that, it's so gratifying. Or if you get an email from a reader saying, "Oh, I just enjoyed your book so much," that's actually actually better than winning an award. Getting that kind of feedback. Exactly. So, readers, we don't mind hearing from you and hearing that you like mm-hmm. our books. It, it helps us. Keep pushing forward, I think, sometimes. That's right. Sometimes it gives us the kick in the pants to keep writing, you know, instead of saying, exactly. oh, I'm not good at this, I'm going to stop. So. Yeah, especially if you're in a kind of a writer's block moment or discouraged in some way, and then you, you get a, an email like that, and it just lifts you back up. Yes, for sure. So we really appreciate those. Now, you've written quite a few books, and I know if you're like any other author I've ever talked to, you have something else up your sleeve. So what's coming mm-hmm. next from you? Oh, I wish I knew. <laughs> um, fortunately, I, I got some bad news this past year that Bethany House has not renewed my contract. So I am kind of on hold right now. And so I think self-publishing might be the next road for me. Will entail a lot of learning because I've never done that before. I do have a good friend and critique partner who is self-published, so she's offered to help me, help teach me the ropes. <laughs> so <laughs> I might end up going back to a, a contemporary series that I had started years ago. You never know, but I will keep going eventually. Well, good. I'm sorry that. We don't have any historical on the immediate horizon from you, but we will keep our eyes open for sure. And so if listeners would like to connect with you Mm -hmm. to keep in touch and so they can find out how things are going and when you have a new book releasing, how can they go about doing that? They can check out my website at susanannmason.net. And on there, you can sign up for my newsletters. I don't send out tons of them, but I try to send out at least two or three a year, <laughs> maybe four a year, every <laughs> few months. But then I, if, if I have any news or anything, that's the best way to find out. Okay. Well, we sure appreciate you joining us today. This has been a whole lot of fun, Susan. And everybody, I'm telling you, A Feeling of Home is a really good book. And it's just going to warm your heart. So make sure that you pick it up. Maybe you'll want to start with the beginning, but even if you don't want Mm -hmm. to start with the beginning of the series, pick up a feeling of Home by Susan Ann Mason. Oh, thank you so much, Liz. 
Wasn't Susan just a delightful guest? It was so much fun to have her on, and I would highly suggest following her and subscribing to her newsletter so that when she comes out with some new fiction, that you will be prepared, and I would suggest going back and checking out some of her other fiction. She truly is a gifted writer and is multiple award-winning, multiple award-filing, and so you'll want to see what she has available. Catch up a little bit with Susan Ann Mason if you haven't read much by her. And if you would like to get more information about Susan, about A Feeling of Home, or the entire Redemption's Light series, then please check out the show notes over on my website, liztolsma.com. I will have all that information right there, as well as a handy link to purchase A Feeling of Home. In fact, I'll have links to all three of the books in the Redemption's Light series there for you. And again, you will also have a chance to subscribe and become a Patreon of Christian Historical Fiction Talk if you head over there. If you don't find this interview right on the homepage of my website, then click on the podcast tab and scroll down on the list of podcasts and you will find Susan's interview there. Next week, I am so super excited because I had a wonderful interview with author Elizabeth Musser the other week, and we had so much fun. Oh my gosh, you guys, we talked for so long before and after the interview because Elizabeth lives in France. And if you know me at all, you know I'm something of a Francophile, and you know I have a trip to France coming up, and so we had a whole lot of fun. And in between there, we did talk about her new book, By Way of the Moonlight. And this is another book that you guys are going to want to check out. So I suggest picking up By Way of the Moonlight and perhaps reading it before we get to our interview with Elizabeth Musser. Found out that we have so much in common. So it was a wonderful interview. So much fun to talk to her. And it's one that you aren't going to want to miss. So be sure that you tune in next week for my interview with author Elizabeth Musser. That's about all that I have for now. I hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. <music>